0: coverage from progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject
1: to policy terms bundle discount not available in all states or situations
0: this is a podcast from minute media
1: this is the yanks go yard podcast with adam weinrib and thomas carinante Welcome on into the Inks go yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner for one day only not alongside Thomas Carinante hitting you with a miniature update to end your week so that we don't leave your content feed barren. But trust me, I will not take up too much of your time and neither will the New York Yankees because as you know, we're still locked out ain't nothing changing there. The MLB players are waiting for a proposal that makes some sense from the owners. The owners have no intention of giving them one. So for now, we are in as stalematey a stalemate as we've ever been. So we've got to talk about players on other teams or players who haven't signed yet and are just floating. But thanks for the content. We're going to be talking about Carlos Correa switching his agent real quick just to let you all know that that's something that in case you were a Yankee fan who was considering Correa, maybe take him off your plate even further than he already was. Also, Boston Red Sox world champions taking undeserved shots at Garrett Cole. We're going to take that one to task. And Freddie Freeman, are the Yankees really the number two team in the chase? It's worth at least putting on your radar. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. But if you leave it today or tomorrow, even maybe it might just be me answering. It's not a we situation. It's just a it's just a one guy. It's just it's just a one guy doing stuff, answering questions. So let's talk about Carlos Correa first. Again, I, I don't want to keep you folks here too long, and I, and I don't want to be on camera too long, by myself. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, who who wants to just hear me? Do you want me to just leave this on for like an hour or two? Would you Would you like to see me descend into, into madness? Because that that might be more entertaining. That that might be more interesting for all of y'all. It would be terrifying for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick this to short pod. Let's talk about Carlos Correa, who. Can't help but make headlines during this locked out period. He's the highest profile name yet to switch sides. Max Scherzer, uh, unsurprisingly signed before the lockout was even installed because he's big into the Players Association. He wants to, you know, set the tone for the rest of his compatriots. He wants to get as big a deal as he possibly can. So it's not a shocker that he finalized something with the Mets before everything shut down and before we eventually get back to normal. But Carlos Correa remains on the market. Uh, early indications where he would definitely beat Corey Seager's $325 million. Um, but that was before we knew Seager's total. It was just sort of assumed that Correa would go one, Seager would go two. But then Seager blew us away in a quiet market with 325 mil for 10 years. And it was kind of like, can any team afford to make Carlos Correa their centerpiece right now at that rate? Because the Texas Rangers are the Texas Rangers. They walked into the offseason saying, we're gonna get loud. We are gonna be annoying, and we are not even close to contention. So we need stars. So they got Corey Seager for three hundred twenty-five million dollars, and they got Marcus Simeon too. They knocked off two fifths of the shortstop market without Francisco Lindor. Baez went elsewhere, um, and you know that that leaves that leaves the Yankees to to look at Carlos Correa and look at Trevor Story, and say, are we gonna do? Are we really gonna do this? Are we really gonna let a whole offseason go by? without adding a, a shortstop of any kind or, or a talented shortstop in the name of these prospects who we believe in. But again, nobody's close. You're not hearing it. You're hearing everybody extol the virtues of Anthony Volpe, but you're not hearing anybody say Anthony Volpe should start opening day. Nobody thinks that. Um, you know, if you really believe in him, it might be interesting for, for you to do that. But no, nobody's saying that. Even the Yankees brass, who's made it incredibly clear, they are Anthony Volpe believers. No one's telling you, hey, he'll come to, he'll come to camp with a legit chance. No one is saying that, so that's obviously not true. Carlos Correa, the question was, is he going to see a financial backslide at all? Somebody theorized this week, we talked about it on the last episode, that maybe Correa becomes a $200 million player, and it's a four-year deal or a five-year deal, and it falls into the Yankees' range unexpectedly. Now, there were plenty of problems with that before you factor anything else in. If he loses that much money and it becomes... A two, if he gets a contract the size of Javier Baez's dealer or, or just exceeding it, why wouldn't the Astros just pay that? That's problem number one. But problem number two is, in what world does that even occur? And you know, clearly the market was there for $325 million for Seager. The concerns about Correa are just some nebulous back injury stuff, but he's a better player at this point in time and he's got more pedigree. And you know, for Seager, it's just that one postseason run, it's 2020, which is why people say Seager is a postseason legend in reality uh Correa has done more in the postseason more consistently than Corey Seager has clearly Carlos Correa is not willing to sacrifice that money just yet and and even when we thought he might we were saying Yankee fans do not get too excited that's it's unlikely to happen and if it does I don't think the Yankees are looking that way anyway now Carlos Correa has signed Scott Boris as his representative first of all congratulations chit ching job well done Mission accomplished. You you got your guy. And so now you're going to get your cash, right? That That's how it's a flow chart. It's logical. So now not only is Carlos Correa not going to fall into the $200 million range, which, again, we laughed at on, on Tuesday on the last show. It was never going to happen. It's not going to happen now. It wasn't going to happen then. Now he's going to beat Corey Seager. He's getting over 325. And he's probably going to beat Francisco Lindor, too, at 341. Because what Scott Boris does is set records. Scott Boris is here to set financial marks for the rest of the league. For some reason, it doesn't trickle down as often as it should. The Boris clients get what's coming to them at the top of the market, and it doesn't necessarily raise the floor for a lot of the marginal pitching free agents and offensive free agents. For example, when Correa signs for $338 million or whatever it is, it's probably not going to Bring Trevor Story over 200 mil. He's probably still going to be settling. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I don't. There's no discernible reason why after Cray it's also going to buoy story. But Correa wants what's his. He switched to Scott Boris, and that's a be all end all, folks. Scott Boris does not go home with his tail between his legs. Scott Boris does not go home offering a significant discount to the players he agrees to rep, and Scott Boris certainly does not swing and miss after adjusting in midstream to bring on new talent. Correa didn't open the offseason as a Boris client, but he is one now. And in case you were thinking, maybe this is the first and only time where Scott Boris miscalculates the market, maybe Scott Boris has no idea how to deal with a post-lockout Major League Baseball. The two parties agreed mutually to come together this late in the game for a reason. Carlos Correa, will not be a New York Yankee unless the New York Yankees want to go 10 years and $350 million for Carlos Correa. Now, who is going to sign him? The the Dodgers have money all the time and no restrictions, and they could use middle infield talent just like the Yankees can because Corey Seager's uh, gone. People were talking about the Tigers. They're not going there. That's why they signed Javier Baez. The Cubs are in the mix. The Cubs are in the market, and the Cubs have promised they'd spend, but they're pretty far away from contention right now. And they let their whole team go at the last deadline. The Washington Nationals have a lot of Scott Boris clients on the roster. We're talking about this this week. They've got Steven Strasburg, you know, Boris and the Nats Patrick Corbin. They've, they've all dealt with each other multiple times over. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a strange fit. Maybe it's an unexpected fit. I don't know. I'm just here to tell you that it's not going to be the New York Yankees because Carlos Correa Drew a line in the sand this week between podcasts. We told you why it wouldn't be the Yankees. Then Correa basically grabbed the mic and was like, hey, I actually have a, a better, a salient point to make about why I'm not joining the Yankees. And we we're like, oh, we're all ears, Carlos. Uh, let us know. What, what did we miss? And he was like, I hired the the angry super agent who makes everybody the most money as my agent out of nowhere, all of a sudden. And we we're like, great point. Thanks for chiming in. So Scott Boris is the guy. Carlos Correa ain't our guy. Let's talk about Freddie Freeman as well, because again, I don't know the validity of all of this. I, I don't. I, I don't know what you can trust and what you can't trust from the Yankees camp. I, I do believe the Yankees were probably fairly close at some point this offseason to a Matt Olson trade because it makes all the sense in the world as long as you add a pitcher. That's Matt Olson and pitcher Chris Bassett, Sean Maniah, Frankie Montas in exchange for Oswald Peraza, who remains sort of the the other guy on this roster. We're talking up Volpe and we're just talking up Peraza as a guy who exists. But Baseball America named him number 55 in the top 100 prospects. He's a legitimate prospect. The Yankees could roll forward with Volpe at second, and Peraza it's short if he grades out better defensively. But as of now, he sort of feels like a redundancy, especially with Trey Sweeney on the come-up, especially with Roderick Arias now in the Yankee system after the international free agency period opened over the weekend. So Peraza, Louis Seal, Austin Wells, a fourth piece for Matt Olson, and a pitcher. It always has sort of felt drawn in the sand and totally acceptable and would definitely revamp the Yankees' outlook right away. But what about if the Yankees were to sign a free agent first baseman instead of trading for medals, save your assets for something else? Or you don't feel confident that the shortstops, you don't want to cut bait on either of the shortstops right now. So you just save your assets and spend money alone. Freddie Freeman has always been a pipe dream. It started as a complete pipe dream. Then it became a little more realistic when it became clear he was sort of upset with Atlanta and not ready to commit there because they wouldn't budge on the extra year. Then people started to connect the dots, but always the dots were connected at that point to the Dodgers. Hometown, California kid. Again, Dodgers have no spending restrictions ever. And the Yankees are pursuing trade options for first base. So why would they be the the Freeman suitor if the Braves fall offline? Well, this week, ESPN named the Yankees number two, ahead of the Dodgers, behind the Braves, of course, because you can't usurp the Braves. Uh, Something's got to really change for the Braves to not be number one in the Freeman search he's their MVP. He's their leader. You finally give him a ring. He delivered a ring to Atlanta last year. You might say that's a farewell swan song. You might say the Braves are prepared to turn it into a farewell swan song with the way they're handling these negotiations. It's going to take six years. It's going to take $180 million or more to bring Freddie Freeman home. But I tell you what, we're not going to know anything more about the Braves situation deteriorating until the lockout's over because there's no progress here. Nobody's nobody's making moves. It's, everything is the same old, same old. They can't talk. All we know is Freeman wants an extra year. Braves didn't want to give it to him before the lockout. Now we're almost two months into this thing where there's legally no movement. For the Yankees to jump, the Dodgers into the number two spot. That actually does tell me something. That tells me somebody knows something about the Yankees' financial plans. And somebody knows something about Freeman's preference. Maybe he feels uncomfortable going National League to National League. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, the Braves and Dodgers have faced off in the NLCS the last two years. Maybe he doesn't want to be a turncoat and go, well, you're going to disrespect me? All right, I'm going right to the team that, you know, we're we're one-on-one against them. We got a series. They got a series. So now I'm going to go to the Dodgers to try to help them break the tie between, you know, my beloved teammates. I I don't know if that's going to be the case. That feels a little uncomfortable. Maybe he just wants to switch leagues, fresh start, come join the New York Yankees. I don't know what happened, but something happened to make the Yankees the number two. So I'm just putting that out there. This week, someone who knows more than me said the Yankees are now the number two team for Freddie Freeman when the market reopens. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Freeman's first call after the lockout is to the Yankees and say, "Can you just give me that sixth year? Because if you can, we can have a genuine conversation. We can take this off the ESPN Plus feed. We can end the speculation. Just tell me if you're willing to give me that six year, so I can take it back to Atlanta and see what they say. He's not dumping Atlanta without a callback, but..." He might be going to the A's and saying, can you give me a sixth? Yes or no, and put it on the record. Now, obviously, there's no free agent movement, but thank God for retired player beefing. Now, I, I do want to address, because the narrative is now pervasive that Garrett Cole is not what he should be and not what he's cracked up to be in the postseason. And it's spreading overseas. Koji O'Hara from the Red Sox 2013 World Series Championship team, the closer of that Red Sox team, had Saya Suzuki on his podcast recently, and it's basically the content that's fueled like several weeks of coverage uh, for us and all speculators. Suzuki, of course, followed the Red Sox on Instagram, is the only team he follows in the States, and unfollowed them. So Koji sort of prodded him a couple weeks ago on this pod about, you know, aren't you a Red Sox? Can't you just say you're a Red Sox? And, and Suzuki told the story of why he unfollowed the Red Sox. And it was, you know, he followed them back in the day because he liked to see Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts swing, he liked to model his swing after those guys. You unfollowed him because it got weird because he got in trouble, he said. So we don't know anything more about Suzuki, whether he'll be a Red Sox, whether he's still on the market. But we do know that Koji smack talked the New York Yankees and Garrett Cole to Suzuki's face, which again, I did not enjoy. Koji doing his best Red Sox recruiting efforts without being able to say, I want you on the Red Sox. He said, aren't you a Red Sox already? Right. You are. Right. And Suzuki was like, come on, please. You know, I can't sleep at night. It's a tough decision. Then he badmouthed Garrett Cole. He said Garrett Cole's not what he's cracked up to be in October. He said Garrett Cole just not the same guy. Garrett Cole just not impressive. Koji said Cole just didn't impress him. And here's the thing. Cole didn't impress me either. I didn't like watching Garrett Cole blow the wildcard game after just two innings. That was a, how you say, unpleasant to me. I did not enjoy that. Garrett Cole's wildcard game performance was indefensible, but I do want to direct Koji Uehara. And anybody listening, to the numbers and the stats, people like to say two things. People like to say Garrett Cole can't pitch in October, and people like to say Garrett Cole isn't the same after the sticky stuff. Boston fans actually were in my mentions about a month ago when I said Garrett Cole was injured in the wildcard game, saying, you know, it's everybody's hurt this time of year. Everybody's hurt this time of year. Absolutely. Everybody is hurt this time of year. Garrett Cole was injured. And to say he wasn't, I mean, you I don't know why Boston fans have to redraw a narrative that, like, not only did we beat Garrett Cole, but he was at his healthiest ever. He had muscles of steel. Not only was Garrett Cole in the game feeling fully healthy, but his body was actually jacked up to a level it had never been before, my dude. Garrett Cole actually said before the game his hamstring felt like a whole new muscle. Yeah. He was saying that to his friends. Boston fans, you beat a hobbled Garrett Cole and it's okay. That's what you did. But... You did that. He was not feeling his best. The numbers are there. Post sticky stuff. Post COVID. Garrett Cole came back. Five and two thirds innings against the Angels. Two hits, nine strikeouts. Six innings against the Twins. Five hits, no runs, six K's. Six innings against the A's. Six hits, no runs, nine K's. Seven innings against the Angels, four hits, one run, 15Ks. Comes home, gets hurt. Faces the Blue Jays, leaves with it with a hamstring issue. Gets gets rocked, can't plant. Comes back from the hamstring injury to finish the season with five awful innings in Baltimore, just one run, but he looked terrible. A hundred, whatever pitches in five innings against Baltimore. No, thank you. Five and two thirds innings, 10 hits, seven runs against Cleveland, which is the game. Everybody remembers six innings, three runs, three walks against Boston, the Devers home run. That was not a model start from Garrett Cole, six innings, nine hits, five runs against Toronto. And then the wildcard game disaster. Does that sound like someone who's got regular year end wear and tear? Or is that someone who is blatantly injured? Now, don't pitch if you're too hurt to pitch. And that falls on Garrett Cole's shoulders too. If he's too hurt to be Garrett Cole and he doesn't tell anybody and he just bucks up and takes the ball, then yeah, that's a problem. It's also a problem that he struggled at Fenway Park throughout the season, was bad in the wild card game, and his other worst playoff start since 2018 was at Fenway Park as well. ALCS game two, 2018. Six innings, six hits, five runs, four earned, two walks. Not good. So if Koji Wahara is watching only Red Sox games, then yeah. Garrett Cole maybe doesn't have it in October, which, again, is a problem. But Garrett Cole in October since 2018. Seven innings, three hits against Houston in 2018 ALDS game two. Seven and two third innings, four hits, no runs to start off the ALDS in game two, 2019 against the Rays. Uh, I believe that is 15 strikeouts in the game, but let let me confirm, folks. Let me confirm for you. Uh, Yeah, that's what it is. It's 15 Ks. 2019 game five, Same deal. Houston, Tampa, eight innings, two hits, one run, 10 more Ks. Seven shutout innings against the Yankees on the road in Game 3 of the ALCS that year. Five earned runs and seven innings against the Nats in the World Series, but he rebounds with seven innings, one run, nine strikeouts on the road in Game 5 to take a 3-2 lead in that series. Seven innings, two runs, 13 Ks, six innings, three runs, eight Ks in the empty stadium playoffs and on short rest, five and a third. One hit, only one earned run, nine Ks. That was the home run by Austin Meadows that helped tie up Game 5 of the DS. I don't even really want to linger on the closed stadium, no-admission games that Garrett Cole put into the postseason, 2018 and 2019. 2018, one great start, one bad start. At Fenway, 2019, brilliant almost all the way through, one bad World Series start, one brilliant one to break a 2-2 deadlock. So you tell me, does that sound like an ace? Or does that sound like someone who is terrible in October? And Koji Uehara, sorry, I, I hate to mention this, You had a 13.50 ERA in the 2011 ALCS with the Texas Rangers. Do you struggle in October too? Or was that just one bad series that you later shook off? Keep an eye on Garrett Cole in 2022. And 2023 and 2024. He's here for a while. And he can pitch in October. Folks, that is it. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. That's enough Yanks Go Yard for the week. We will rejoin you on Monday live at 2 p.m. Eastern. Both of us will be here. That I can promise you until that ends up not being the case. And then at that point, I won't promise you. And then I'll renege on my promise. But you'll see then what happens next week. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, but you can find our content on yanksgoyard.com or on yanksgoyardfs on Twitter if you want to follow the account and the website directly. Until next time, I hope some more Yankees and Red Sox who are long away from the diamond start piece with each other. If anybody wants to respond to Koji, that would be great. If Hideki Okajima wants to say that Joey Gallo strikes out too much, I welcome it. If Jonathan Papelvon has any comments on Glaber Torres' potential for bounce back, Bring it. This is the lockout, and it's the offseason, and I'm desperate. So until next time, I'm Adam Weiner signing off for Thomas Carinante. Enjoy your weekend.
0: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy
1: app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.